and welcome to Wayward Parents, a prequel podcast where your local supernatural veterans and finale deniers watch the Winchesters. My name is Abigail and my pronouns are they, them. My name is Beth and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Elena. I've returned and my pronouns are she, they. Welcome Yay. back, Elena. Hi, everyone. I missed you. We missed you. We are so excited to have you back. Yeah, yeah. I've missed being on, but I'm really excited to to hop back in because this episode was was a thing that occurred with events that I have <laughs> that feelings happens. about that we will discuss. Very quickly before we get into it, um, obviously KJ is not here today. Um, they are just on holiday having a wonderful, lovely time at the moment. So they will be back with us for our mid-season thoughts, but unfortunately they're not going to be able to join us today. They are too busy swimming with dolphins at the moment, so... Yeah, and we're all very fucking jealous. <laughs> <laughs> very in a in a warm place, and it is winter here in the in North America. Look, I can't relate to that, but it's like 30 yeah. degrees, so... <laughs> yeah, you get it. That, yeah, that part's not really... That's why I was like, oh, I need to specify North America, because Elena and I are experiencing winter, and normally KJ would be experiencing winter, but... Meanwhile, beneath Elena's three blankets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This episode, there are so many things. I want to talk about a little bit about how Henry is being presented in this show. Because yeah, I think it's really interesting. I saw someone, I do not remember who, on Twitter talking a little bit about this. Um, basically just pointing out that because this Henry is kind of being presented through John's perspective, he's being presented as like, like way more negatively than the OG show ever presented him. Like in the OG show, we get like a really warm impression of Henry. And in this show, we get a really, like, John is so angry at Henry. The broken music box, like. And also, I keep being astounded when characters keep saying that, like, John is not as closed off as Henry was. And I was like, what, <laughs> what Henry are you fucking talking about? Is this like an AU? What John are you talking about? Because, like, yeah. you know, yeah. like, when Ada says that, says he isn't closed to the way Henry was, you know, if he could just let go of his anger, I'm like, John characteristically so far in seven episodes has not been able to that has been his whole arc is that yeah. he yeah. like keeps going back to this anger and is not able to let it go and is also really closed off yeah. like that's a huge yeah. problem and yeah. it's confusing because like this is not the first time that they've said that either it's like I think the second or the third time where they've specifically said Henry was more closed off than John and I'm like how fucking closed off was Henry <laughs> though we get a little bits of that from like what Millie, you know, says, which it just, I mean, most of the impressions that I'm getting from what Millie has said in this episode and previous ones is mostly that Henry just like didn't talk to her about stuff, mm. um, which it is, I guess, it, being closed off. But that seems to be the main thing that gets kind of is being lobbied as like the big issue with Henry is that he like didn't tell her stuff. He didn't involve Millie. And even the whole thing where... Ada says, you know, Henry thought that like them separating would be better, but like clearly never talked to Millie about it. Like, I'm wondering if that's where they're kind of trying to pull that from, but it's, it's mm. hard when it feels so different from what we knew about Henry prior to this. Yeah, because yeah. they seem to be painting Henry as someone who was like, I feel like every character feels is talking about him like he was super cold and mean, but it sounds like from the way that Ada is describing it, that he just was withholding. Mm -hmm. but wasn't necessarily like being cruel about it he was just not saying anything like it was it was more of like an aloofness than it was like this meanness i mean i could be wrong about that that's that's i think accurate kind of like that mentality like that is often touted for like british people where it's like the keep calm and carry on oh yeah yeah that and you know men of letters have those roots as well like those british roots so that's not that wouldn't be super surprising I do think it's interesting. I think it's very much like because we're getting John's perspective of it. And ultimately, like this story is being told by Dean. So like Dean's perspective of what John has passed on about his dad. And I think the primary thing that John has passed on is that his dad abandoned him. And like mm -hmm. that is colored everything. Like there's not like other than his parents fighting. The only thing that he identifies as like the issue with Henry is that Henry left. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, very valid that, like, he's angry about that. But, yeah. He also, in that discussion where he's telling Mary that he used to be able to hear uh, his parents fighting and he could hear them say his name, he makes the point that 
if he had been better or smarter, maybe Henry wouldn't have left. And it's that whole thing, which is super common, unfortunately. That did break me a little bit. In fam- like family separations, kids will often blame themselves mm-hmm. for the falling yeah. apart of the family and they think, well, it's my fault. Like they're always fighting about me. And like, it is not, that's not the problem. And the child is not the instigator of that relationship no. falling apart, but it can feel yeah. like it is yeah. for that child. Yeah speaking from personal experience um like as somebody whose parents you know divorced when I was eight I like I had to have that conversation with my mom in my late teens where I like apologized to her because I was like I you know I used to be mad and think that like that I had done something wrong and like I used to feel like I was the thing that drove the wedge between you guys and then when I got past that because my dad was the one who wasn't there anymore I would like blame my mom in a way because it's like oh well you know you're still here and he's gone so you must have done something to push him away and it wasn't until I got a bit older that I realized like oh she was literally keeping me safe because my dad had all of these issues and so like when when John is sitting here and he's describing you know they always were talking about me as a child who has no context he thinks that like his parents are talking about him because he's a problem but really his parents are probably talking about him because he's the thing that they love and that is holding them together and that they're the most worried about but as a kid you don't really understand that yet because you don't have the context for it Mm -hmm. I was reminded really strongly like the mirroring obviously I think there's a lot of it in this episode in the episode titled reflections Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, which I don't think we womp, even said womp, womp. at the top of this episode, which we should have said. <laughs> this episode, we're discussing episode seven of the first season, which is called Reflections. KJ usually makes sure yeah, that we KJ don't usually miss that tells part. us who's written, who's directed, all those fun things. <laughs> oh, Richard Spade Jr. We needed Richard to mention Spade that. Jr. Director. That's important. That's important. It's, it's very, very important. important. And it was written by David H. Goodman and Robbie Thompson. Yeah, big, big, I mean, obviously mid-season finale, big, big episode. We did not go in any sort of order, but uh, the thing I was going to point out was just obviously the the huge mirror with Sam and Dean and mm-hmm. their feelings about John as children, you know, John's yeah. perpetual abandonment of them, hunting. I think about even in season one, so much of Dean's character arc is around these feelings of like being abandoned and wondering if it's his fault mm-hmm. that John is gone. I think that's a super interesting theme to track through all of like generationally with Supernatural. I actually really wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this because when, not on my first watch, but when I was doing my second watch and John was talking about the music box and you see that it's like, you know, smashed up and and when he was having that conversation with Mary about them fighting and things and Mary says, you didn't smash it because you were angry at your dad, you were angry at yourself. And that's when he says, maybe if I'd been better. And it really threw me back to season two, episode two, Everybody Loves a Clown with Dean smashing the shit out of the Impala just after John's died. (laughs) And like, it really, like, it really threw me back there. And I was like, oh, and that on top of the fact that I think they used Dean's theme like three or four times in this episode. They did. I noted every time that they used it. Yeah, Yeah, they play it when he They play it when he pulls out the music box. They play it. The first one's when John finds the pages. Yeah. And then the third one is... I think it's when the seance doesn't work. Because yes. I had Dean's theme yeah. number two immediately followed by Dean's three, theme number three with no notes in between. The fact that it's played so many... They're talking... Also when they talk about the jasmine vine, that's specifically when it's playing. Yes. When they're talking yeah. about Millie and the vine and that being actually the thing that they need for the, the ostium. Yeah, I made the mistake of I was watching it in uh, in the cafeteria at like at my job. And so like, I just I didn't have my headphones with me. And so I couldn't really hear a lot of the music throughout it. And then but it got to that scene with the Jasmine. And I heard it and I was like, I just stopped, paused it, went back and turned it up. It was like, oh, no. It's <laughs> so interesting how much they're using Dean's theme. Like in seven episodes, yeah. they've used it so many times. Like in Supernatural, they use it a lot but it's very spread out you you see it like maybe once a season not even everyone every season we've seen it like five or six times in seven episodes which is very like thematically makes me really happy because of what they're clearly doing with d being very clear that this is dean telling the story the only um the only reason why i would be a little wary of their of their use of it like at that many times is just because like there's there's a tendency with franchises 
where there's an original piece of music from the original part of the franchise. And when there is a second part to the franchise, they tend to overuse the one piece of music that makes you feel the most things yeah. because they want you to feel the thing. Because if you feel the thing, you will buy the thing and you will support the thing. So you're saying they're trying to appeal to our brain worms, Elena. They're trying to yes. market directly to the <laughs> clips. I think they've chosen moments that I'm still happy with, at least. Like, I at least don't feel like it's been out of place, even if that is the reason they're doing it, is appealing to our brainworms. <laughs> there's actually, there's like a media studies term for this. So this is actually, this is a, like a thing. It's called weaponized intertextuality. <laughs> Doesn't that sound so. like a description of Supernatural? I was just going to say, that sounds so, so perfect right. to describe what we're going through. The full definition of it yet. And I already am like, hmm, so Supernatural? <laughs> So I, I'm a little nervous about it, but at the same time, I think that in this particular episode, like it was used well. I just hope that they don't fall into that trap of like overusing it. Right. I hope they still continue to use it thematically in actually meaningful ways, which I feel like is true in this episode. But also that scene where where John is sitting like right before Henry actually appears. John like is doing this thing with his hands that vividly reminded me of Sam from season seven. And I was uh -huh. like, oh, like these familial traits, there was a few, and like there was, there was some strong Dean mirroring in this episode, mm -hmm. but that was one of the moments where I was like, oh, that like grounding yourself with like the- Like the on scar the on the hand, yeah. And to ground yourself from like pain and from this like sense of despair and defeat, which is what John's feeling. He's feeling like my connection with my dad wasn't strong enough to bring him to us. I thought it was a neat little thing. And again, whether it was an intentional mirror or not from Drake, I think it's speaking again to Drake's ability to channel both Sam and Dean in his physical portrayal of John. And I literally, I feel like we've talked about this every single episode, but I'm continually impressed by that portrayal. I think it's so funny when I think back to our earliest episodes when we were just theorizing, because Drake has really showed for lack of a better term, he showed his whole ass as a supernatural stan. And like, <laughs> he just, like we just, like, it, I'm sorry, it's the, it's the best term it's I can true. think of. Because, like, we went into it and we're like, oh, has he seen the show? How much of the show has he seen? And he's out here in interviews being like, well, in season two, episode two. <laughs> he's like, here out here I'm trying like, to give timestamps and they're being like, you don't need to give the timestamps. I'm it's like, okay. Drake, you beautiful dweeb, please never change. Like, I'm so proud of him. You're right, because what we were so worried about was that we weren't going to get the right nuance and the mm -hmm. layers that we needed for John to feel like a character that we could actually enjoy having on our screen and a character that we could actually empathize or sympathize with as they're going through this shitty, mm -hmm. shitty situation. Because we were like, well, you know, if they get that wrong, the whole show is going to suck. But yeah. I think that they have, to their credit, to everyone's credit, actually, not just Drake, but also yeah. to Robbie and to all the other writers and directors and everyone involved, you know, the real MVP, the costume designer, who <laughs> did great this episode yeah. as well. In oh. KJ's absence, I'm going to put that out there. Everyone looked yes. amazing. I also usual. made a couple of costume notes in because KJ's not here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I may, uh, you, you mentioning the costume and us speaking about reflections uh, leads me to a point I would love to bring up that I'm sure we're going to, we're going to have many things to say about. But on the topic of being called reflections, I have to point out that in a locked room, in an episode <laughs> directed by Richard Spate, a Dean-coded individual who comments about how there's no way out gets mm -hmm. kissed by a person in a tan coat. And that, Jensen... Even more so, the, the big bad villain is banging on the door as it's happening. Yeah. And then, yeah. do you know what? They have their little let's call it a confession you know there's not words involved but i think we can we can but they're confessing an attraction to one another you know john coming out of this this moment of despair of like uh -huh. he's been oh moment of despair huh but despair is an interesting choice of word and it's even <laughs> they even describe it as a trap you know like mm -hmm. the trap yeah. that they are walking into and then yes. you know obviously they have this this beautiful moment where they you know admit that oh maybe there's something here and then the door opens the enemy comes in and is immediately sucked into an interdimensional portal combined with the fact that we found out this episode that the ostium can send things wherever depending yeah. on how you direct it like we wait a minute i am sorry but yeah. that 
I'm sorry, but like the, that box is basically just a portal to wherever the heck you send, want to send things. Like mm-hmm. the reason it sends the Akrita to like their home world is because that's what they trigger it to that's send That's what them. they trigger it to send it to. Like, um, is this a way we can get to the empty? Because <laughs> like, here's the like, thing. Like, what? Genuinely, the, when they first said, oh, it's like a portal to like another world, my immediate thought was the empty or purgatory I was like that's where my money is and then you learn that like it has to be triggered by like an object or whatever from that place and I was like (laughs) okay that you know opens up other possibilities but I was immediately like oh where else would you send monsters like where else would you send them yeah it's not like we haven't had spells with like you know stuff from purgatory before or like even the empty we had you know the we've had that there is stuff that could definitely be connected to the empty. Empty. I mean, the fact that the empty is where angels and demons go. Like, there are things that Dean, depending again on where he is in the timeline, has access to. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm not trying. I'm trying really hard to not full clown here. But like, this oh, is a, this am. is the best opportunity they they have ever set up mm-hmm. for how to potentially get to the empty. Yeah. Like it is. Just, it just straight up is, and I don't. Mm, I don't know why they're doing it, but it's. Like, I got my acceptance letter to clown school. Like, I got my shoes ready. My <laughs> nose is on. The, car the car's is out back. Outside. I'm yeah. in the car. I am ready to go. <laughs> no, okay. But here's the other thing. Because actually, I realized separate scene, but still kind of relevant to this, is Henry, right before he disappears, he does the, I love you. I love both of you. Both and of you. Yes. fucking gone. And they don't say it back. Like, I, yep. I, what are yep. they, you know, yep. and it's, it's not even, and even in that, like, it's even in an episode where Millie and Ada have that whole discussion about how their sons need to learn to let go of their anger. And I'm like, Jesus mm. fucking Christ. Like, could you, could you be any more fucking obvious? Like, I, it's, it's not even, it's not even subtext at this point. Like, it's so, you know, like, if you've seen Supernatural and you're seeing this show. They've put enough sub mm-hmm. into that text. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, another thing, uh, the use of Can't Find My Way Home in this episode mm. oh is also yes, very yes, yes, yes. interesting. It's in the scene where they're talking about locating the Akrita, and it's in the scene where Carlos, specifically, is having this moment where he's going, like, once this is over, Mary's going to leave, the gang's going to break up, I'm going to be alone again. And the fact that they're that's when they're playing Can't Find My Way Home, and Can't Find My Way Home is something that plays in OG Supernatural, so here was the thing I knew when I heard that song I immediately wanted to fling my computer across the room yeah uh, (laughs) I had the same I had the same reaction both me and my partner were like what because (laughs) well here's the thing because I knew it was from I immediately the second I heard it I knew what episode it was from I was like oh that's from 923 do you believe in miracles because that's I love that finale and so I was, I knew that it was from the moment that Dean becomes a demon. And I was like, Shut that's up. No, it's a not. statement. Yeah, yeah, yes, it, it is. is. It is. That's the song playing when Dean becomes a demon. I haven't seen now, that season since I, like, I haven't seen that episode in years. And I did not realize. Weirdly, I watch that episode every couple of months because I think it's one of the best shot Dean death scenes. Couldn't be me. I hate season nine so much. Couldn't be me. I know. I know. I, we've, and this is the one area where we are just like complete opposites. I love season nine. And that is, I enjoy that finale a lot. That being said, when I was on Twitter the one day, somebody apparently dug out their old Supernatural DVDs. And I, oh, I yes, because there's I another like, appearance of this song. Because the what some some folks may not know this, but with Supernatural, there if you go back and watch the original DVDs, there are actually different songs that play during some of the scenes on the DVDs than on Netflix because of rights issues. And so like they ended up um, you know, having to change over some of the songs. Somebody dug out their DVDs from season one. That song also plays when Dean kisses Cassie. Yes, it does. So, like, yes, it does. You had a twice Dean coded song, like when Dean kisses his first love, and when Dean becomes a demon. You decided to plug that song into an episode called Reflections that has so many Destiel parallels. A lot of Mary. I could throw up. Another parallel happening in this episode is obviously in the seance scene. Uh huh. Where they're all sitting around in a circle, trying to trying to communicate with someone who can give you answers about salvation. 
specifically. Ooh. Like in 401, like I was trying, to, I was thinking about this because I was like, there is a specific reason. Because like seance, like that's not like an uncommon kind of scene in the show, like Supernatural and shows about the paranormal. It's not necessarily a mirror just because- But it kind of is. They don't have a lot of seances on yeah, the show. That's the thing. A, yeah. they don't have a lot of seances in Supernatural. B, it's specifically because it's like trying to communicate with someone in another realm. In their case, it's Henry. In 401 of Supernatural, it's Cass. But it's about salvation both times. It's about answers about Dean's salvation or it's about answers about the world's salvation. I was going to say, it also doesn't work. Yeah. Mm. Like, neither seance goes as planned. Yeah. And actually pulls off what they... I mean, because you do eventually get Henry showing up at a later point, but it, it's not during the seance. And you do eventually have Cass showing up at a later point. Yeah. And appearing with answers that aren't fully answers. Answers mm. that are, like still kind of cryptic, still kind of incomplete, that don't really give you what you're looking for. While we're kind of on the 401, like, barn scene, so you know how, <laughs> obviously, in, like, Supernatural, you get, like, the- I, What a sentence to I say, love the year of our Lord 2022. They're like, where the fuck is she going to go with this? <laughs> I just love that we've had to talk about the 401 in pretty much every episode of the show. We've had reason, different reasons to talk about 401. So, obviously, through Supernatural, we get, like, the wings imagery, and in 401 is the first time we get it with the like the shadow behind Cass. In this episode, when Mary goes to find John and he's sitting around in all the plants, which I have questions about that because I want to know if that's either like a Dean humanity like thing with the green and the plants, or if it's maybe a Sam demon thing because of the demon bonsai plants, you know? So I'm like, that could kind of be. <laughs> They're doing a Either lot of things or. with plants in this show, like with yeah. like botanical really witchcraft, which I am I'm in into, love with. honestly. Super in love with. I love, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm liking a lot of the magic in this show. It seems to be centered in plants and growth, whereas a lot of the magic in Supernatural was set in fire. Like, you know, Ooh. Ruby does a really similar thing with a map yes. at one point okay. in, I think, season four. And oh yeah, she, yes. but I was expecting but the same the thing. Burns. I was expecting the map to burn I was and it would leave the bit, you know. But it didn't. It was like they used plants. So I was like, that's really and it interesting. Grew. Which is interesting if this show is ultimately, which I think we're we're noticing, if this show is ultimately about Growth. trauma, processing your trauma, and then moving beyond your trauma, and like generational patterns and breaking generational curses. If that's kind of what this show thematically is like leaning into. The idea that witchcraft is now going to be more connected to growth is like rather all than the destruction. About growth is like so interesting. Like, yeah, I, I did the same thing. Like, I'm watching it with my partner who hasn't seen all of Supernatural. And when Ada started with the map, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I totally know what's coming here. And he was like, how does this? How does this work? And I was like, well, in Supernatural, it's like a burning, and then it'll like leave a space. And then we came back to the shot, and this like thing is growing. And I was like. It's, it was beautiful. It was so, it was, it reminded me of like the difference between the hunter funeral in yes. a couple episodes ago oh. versus hunter funerals in Supernatural. Like there is a different vibe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, my point was, that was a great observation. In that scene where John's sitting with all the plants around him and, you know, you can have different interpretations based on, you know, what we were just talking about. But Mary has these like, the light behind her in the shape of wings like they come from her shoulders and they go up in like a curved shape so she actually has okay. wing sim symbolism behind her while john is sitting in amongst the plants so either way you want to read the plant thing it works <laughs> either you've got oh, demonic stuff and angel stuff or you've got dean humanity stuff and angel stuff either way it works either, yeah either way it's a mirror and the, it's I also, this is like a tiny thing, but on like we were talking about costumes earlier. The fact that Mary's in a Henley, like, come on. Like, just, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Dean coming of Mary really strong in this episode. It's, um, yeah, it's very well. strong. I also want to point out like two very small things that I just really appreciated from a directing standpoint and also just from a characterization standpoint. Someone, I think again, someone on Twitter also pointed this out, um, but throwing the garbage can lid is very like, Dean Sam fighting style sort of like like him just sort of throwing it and it bouncing off like I did laugh at him I was funny. like what did you think was that was gonna do babe what were you very stupid <laughs> yeah. why would you think that was a good idea why do you think it was work and that whole fight scene like I saw it twice watching it mm -hmm. twice and both times I was like this is so comedically like timed so comedically well John being carried in the back 
yeah and it's that is like is i'm like the direction of richard spite jr in that scene i think is so his skill set to like interlude a episode that's got a lot of really heavy emotional beats with some like really light comedic stuff to get us through a fight scene that otherwise honestly i would have been kind of bored at i honestly actually this is my favorite fight choreography we've had this whole season yeah i thought it was really fun and really interesting and i think that it like so it's very funny actually because the very start of the episode they find that uh the possessed guy Hector I think in the trunk of the car and they have that thing where like Mary's punching him in the face and I was honestly like this doesn't feel that like I I was like this doesn't feel visually interesting I'm not particularly engaged with it she keeps telling everyone that Samuel is her dad and that feels like a poor tactical decision yeah there's a few things that they do that are really poor tactical decisions yeah and so I was kind of like uh like I was kind of feeling eh about that but then like you look at the other end of the episode and there's this fight scene and it's beautiful. The camera movement is great. You follow Mary as she's doing fucking flips and like the actual stunt work is. Yeah, the choreography and then yeah. the directing and the, where, the, where the cameras are, who we're focusing mm-hmm. on. And yeah, and then you have those great like comedic bits about like even though the bin lid doesn't work at first, like John at the end, the last thing he does is smash them with the bin lid. You know, you see him getting carried in the background. Like, it feels like some of the funnier fight choreography scenes from supernatural like when they were in some of the later seasons leaned into like a fight can be kind of funny um i can think of a few scenes with sam and dean where they're fighting and there's sort of like that that kind of same vibe it actually kind of reminded me of do you remember i want to say the later seasons of supernatural they actually got a new stunt choreographer in and all of a sudden all of the fight scenes like really like they rejigged a lot of them like i want to say the episode where with, it's uh, one of the first ones with uh, Patience, the first one with Patience, because she like sees the whole fight play out and mm-hmm. then she like, they uh, yeah. subvert it. I think that was one of the first episodes that they had this new choreographer and it kind of reminded oh, me of that. that. Yeah, so it oh. like, it the fighting felt really, I'm not like a violence enjoyer generally. Like I don't typically like yeah. watching violence. I find it uncomfortable and gross. This is like, it's artistic. <laughs> So it's actually kind of pleasant. Like it's visually appealing, even though what's happening is horrible, you know? Yeah. There's lots of interesting things happening in the angles, in the movements. It's very, like it had a lot of variety, this fight scene, which I really appreciated. It's not just like punch, punch, stab, stab, which I get really bored at really fast. Yeah. Well, then that's why I didn't like the first, like, it's just like, she just punches him in the face and like John hits him once. I'm like, okay, we get it. Like it's very typical supernatural. Like we've seen that before. There was nothing new or interesting about it. And it was not very strategic. Uh, Mary is very, um, very led by her emotions in this episode and not always very strategic as a result. It's the only interpretation I can have that doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember at the very start of the finale? And not to talk about the finale because, you know, blah, but like, (laughs) you know, what finale? What? That never happened. But do you remember they're like talking to like the vampire or whatever at the very start and they're doing that kind of like back and forth and it was just like the such a shit. It reminded me of that a little bit where I was like, I just, I don't feel engaged here. Like nothing interesting is happening. It's just kind of like, I know, I'm waiting for it to be over. I'm waiting to get to whatever end it's getting to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a stepping stone, I guess. Well, the one point that occurred to me as y'all were talking, uh, going back to kind of the theme of, like, growth over the course of the season, it also kind of nicely mirrors the first fight from episode one of, like, showing you how Mary and John's style has grown together. Because, like, in the very first fight, it's like, you know, they're, like, punching each other and it's like, stop helping me. That's so true. And, and, like, now they've grown into having this, like, rhythm with each other. And it's kind of, like, that was all... Yeah, all I could think when I was watching that scene yeah, was like, nice. oh, this is so nice. This is a great evolution. I was going to say, that leads into the part where they're trapped and they do the whole, is this a normal night for you? Which is, I okay, think, what you, you were just going to say. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the mirror again, like, such, so good. Yeah, is this a normal night for you? Ever since I was a kid. Like, that whole, what were they're doing to develop their relationship? Showing their different backgrounds, but also how they've been brought together and how they're learning to be in sync with each other. Both, like, emotionally and strategically is I think really lovely and it made it feel like a very fitting sort of way to be hitting the mid-season in terms of like I think where I would have maybe wanted their relationship to be by this point halfway through I feel really good about how that's being portrayed and I think the way they did the kiss made a lot of sense this is exactly what I was expecting I was expecting it to be heat of the moment like but in a good way 
it follows in the pattern of supernatural where the only time you get to like deal with big emotional things is when someone's dying when someone's dying or like or big or big emotional things get interrupted because the end of the world is coming and I think they've done a really good job of like showing how disruptive like everything that's happening is on these characters actually having any emotional growth like especially John like John is having a moments with Henry but he has to interrupt that moment with Henry to get vital information to save the world and like he's like not like we have 15 years to catch up on like yeah thematically they're just it's really really good and I have to actually run myself so I'm gonna leave the rest of this episode with Elena and Beth and they're gonna finish talking about everything else that (laughs) is happening in this amazing episode well thank you thank you for for being on for as long as you can so when we were doing our pre-thoughts episodes you were a very big sort of flagship supporter of queer Millie I like your opinions on Millie and Ada because I think that maybe there are some vibes like is it just me like, Do we have a ship name yet? Because I'm, I think I may be on board. Okay, I don't think so. I don't think I've seen anyone else talking about this, but I was like, I need Elena's opinion. Because <laughs> I was watching this episode and I was like, ooh, side eyes. Like, hello, they're bonding. I had the exact same thought. Mm. I I would offer uh, to the masses uh, Milady, um, which sounds like... <laughs> Which sounds like milady. It's um, so close to milady. I don't know if we. It is. <laughs> and I would offer that as my contribution to this episode because I yeah uh, there was an absolute vibe occurring and I don't know if it's just the natural raw chemistry of those two women or if it's like an actual vibe between their characters. But there was something happening there. Something about the two of them bonding over their like kids and like the clinking the glasses and like something about it. I was like, oh, there's like potential here. I don't know if I don't think it was intentional, but I think it is there. Oh, I do. I absolutely think it was intentional. This is this is Robbie. I will pass the Bechdel test if it kills me. Thompson, (laughs) we're talking about here. Um, even though this does this episode pass the Bechdel, I think it does. I think because of oh no, because Millie and Ada are talking about their boys, so I don't know. They if it are. Does. It, I don't know that it does, but at the same time, this is a show where like it's it may not be passing in that respect, but it has so many like awesome named women who are doing cool shit that I'm like, yeah, there are I kind so of, few I male almost, characters in this show. <laughs> yeah, like I but kind I love of that. don't care. Like, <laughs> I'm just sort of like, yeah. I mean, if there's if there's good representation, like I don't want the Bechdel test to be the be all end all. That like if if it doesn't I pass the Bechdel, it it's horrible media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's that's something that you know media media criticism as as it continues to grow like there's there's other tests that exist and and other ways that we can discuss media um and i think that even though they are definitely you know talking about the men in their lives they're they're doing it in this very real honest and nuanced way as opposed to just like well men huh you know like it's it doesn't come off as one-dimensional yeah and i think also there's a difference because they're not talking about men who are like their potential love interest like they're bonding over the shared experience of being a parent beyond anything else and so I think that that is that is interesting especially because so often in like especially OG Supernatural the mothers are usually dead so yeah we don't get their thoughts on much you know we're like wow there was a shitty absent father and a dead mother like that's you know or we like because in OG Supernatural we know literally fucking nothing about Millie nothing so you know I think yeah, that it's get... interesting to have the two of them converse. Wow. And you know what's funny? It wasn't until you said that that it occurred to me. I don't know that I can, th- in all of my knowledge of Supernatural, I'm like, I'm, my eyes are like doing like a searching the databases thing in my brain right now. <laughs> I don't know if we ever have two mothers talk in that We do. Show. We do. Missouri and Jody. Oh, okay. But that's okay. in like one but episode in like season one episode fucking fifteen or fourteen. Like it's in in yeah in season like fourteen out of three hundred twenty six episodes. Meanwhile, here we're getting it in like a couple episodes in, and this is yeah. and this isn't the first time that it's happened. No. Um, so yeah, that's really I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, Supernatural is very much about the dead mother trope, and here we're kind of like we're getting an exploration of of mothers dealing with 
like having to raise their sons yeah actually like, in both of these instances the dads are dead this is actually yeah. a complete reverse of like you know that scenario as i said this is the kind of stuff where when i was months ago before the show began when i was like in robbie we trust mm-hmm. this is the kind of shit i was talking about this is the kind yeah. of stuff that made me be like i this is why i had faith in him because i think he's the kind of showrunner that saw i i think he, as a person who loves supernatural deeply and Robbie being a person who loves Supernatural deeply. There's this idea that you can't critique the thing that you love, that you have to just, like, love it unconditionally and think it's perfect. Like, yeah. no. And I think that Robbie is somebody who loves the show so much that he was always able to look at it critically and comment on the things it was doing wrong and yeah. address that in canon. And yeah. point out those things and, like, you know, intru- like decide in his very last episode that he was going to make God bisexual just to give a middle finger to the entire show. Like, yeah, iconic like, behavior. <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah. incredible. And I think that's the thing, like, when you are passionate about something, you want it to be the best it can be. And so you look at it and you go, okay, I love this thing, but I can recognize that this part of it is not up to standard you know and so how can we how can we make it better how can we take this thing that we love and show other people that it is like worth loving you know yeah and yeah it's it's super interesting um actually on the like OG show and like other comparisons this is a little bit of like a sidestep but I did want to point it out because I thought it was fun is they make a real point this episode about Henry having shitty handwriting which like they mention (laughs) it like three or four times which I think is one so funny because like as a character you would expect Henry to have nice handwriting like I don't know if it's just me I expected him to have like fucking font level handwriting you know (laughs) like curly cursive like (laughs) yeah like beautiful calligraphy you know but the line that we get from Millie is like your father's chicken scratch is the key to saving the world and then it made me think of the episode in oh god I can't think it's 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 either this is so silly but it's either 401 or it's uh an episode in season eight maybe Hunter Harosi. What's the line you're thinking I might I might know better. When Cass is looking through John's journal like he's just helping himself to John's journal and Dean's there Uh and he says your father had beautiful handwriting and I just think it's so funny I'm like is this why did John make sure his handwriting was legible (laughs) because his dad's was so awful that's a because like they, he's thought. like well what if it's important <laughs> like did he make an effort to have nice writing because henry's was so shit that's a great theory and i support it thank you i love your oh my god your theories are fantastic oh thank you it's jamie's essence rubbing off on me i swear like <laughs> yeah i love i love it when uh jamie's jamie's galaxy brain infiltrates the episodes i have a couple of just like little things that because you're here and you haven't been here and i, I want to yeah, get your take on it as well I feel like I'm interviewing you. It's very odd. <laughs> yeah, this is like such a turn for this episode. I hope everyone's okay with this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. If anyone, actually, here's a great thing. If anyone is listening who has missed Elena's input as much as we have and would like <laughs> to know what Elena has thought about stuff that we've discussed in episodes that she's not been able to make it to, let us know. Like, tweet at us or send us a DM. Do something and we will collate anything we get and we will we will ask Elena and we'll have a little elena correspondence section maybe yeah. in, in like, the upcoming I, episode i can promise you i have thoughts about everything so mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> like eager eager to answer any questions literally the only reason i haven't been around is lack of time not lack of interest <laughs> <laughs> so okay in episode oh episode five was it episode yes episode five because it was the one that we didn't really love that much it was the one with tony oh yeah 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 And I don't know what your opinion on the episode was just in general, but I want to know your thoughts on the thing that they seem to be pushing with Latha and Tony, because they mentioned it again this episode and it feels Uh, kind of based in nothing. Yeah, it's, I think it's a little, they were like, well, we have to have like, you know, her interested in somebody like Mm -hmm. it's the, it's the one ship like dynamic that's in the show that feels off to me regarding that episode as a whole i actually did quite like that episode um i like i don't think that this this season has missed yet i don't think that that was like my favorite episode by a long shot but i I still think it was very good um i really liked tony and ada's relationship but 
Yeah, the the Latha thing, it felt very tacked on to the end. And it came from nowhere. Yeah, like the Carlos thing. What was it? Carlos and what was the guy? Anton. His name is Anton. Yeah, Carlos and Anton was adorable. And mm-hmm. I 400% support that. And it felt intentional. Like it was supposed to be there and obvious. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing with the whole Latha thing. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see where it goes, but I'm not not super into it, to be honest. Yeah, me neither. I think most of all, it feels unnecessary. Like, we have enough developing relationships in this show that are really interesting as well. And I don't know if they're just putting it in as, like, a way to, like, have a tie-in to bring Tony back. But then I'm like, but you already have Ada, so what's the... Like, you don't need another emotional tie. You already have his mom, like... Now, as as we're talking about it, I'm wondering if it's going to have something to do with... Because I don't know how much you all have talked about this because I'm so behind on everything. But, like, (laughs) the fact that Latha is, like, kind of keeping some family secrets... Yeah. I'm wondering if in some way he is going to maybe, like, in his, like, healing with his mother, if maybe he's going to be somebody who can kind of, like, help Latha with that. And maybe that's something that's going to get, like, unpacked a bit more in the second half of the season. Yeah. Like, I I don't want to discount it entirely just because they've done everything else so well that it seems like that'd be a really weird thing to just suddenly drop the ball on. But I also am, like, I don't know why it's there. I was actually really kind of hoping they were going to have Latha be ace. I was really, like, I was very interested in that. I really love that as a, like, a thought process. I think that that would be lovely. And also, I think in a story that is so built around relationships, and particularly heterosexual ones, like, we have Carlos, and that's amazing, but we have Carlos singular like and you know Anton okay but Anton is not a main cast member so you know and the whole point of the show is John and Mary and then beyond John and Mary it is Millie and Henry and Samuel and Deanna and it's kind of like it would have been nice to have another person you know like it would have been a really nice fit and also for her character I think it fits like it makes sense in my mind I think it would have also been really fun to play with the character because I don't know if you remember, but there was an earlier episode. Um, I, I forget which one it was, but it was when Mary was kind of like flirting with that reporter guy. It might have been like episode two oh, or three. Yeah, it was um, very early on. Yeah. And Lotha was kind of like, ooh, like sexy man person. I, I kind of like the idea of like a flirty ace person because like asexuality, like everything else with sexuality is a spectrum. And so you mm-hmm. have people who have very like outgoing and flirty personalities, even though they're not like interested in sex as a thing. And so it's like, I think that would have been a really cool characterization. Actually, Jamie has a headcanon about Ace Dean. Oh, really? I've just been editing the next episode that's going to come out on our podcast, which is season four, episode 14, Sex and Violence, which is the one with the siren. Oh. And she was talking about how, like, obviously there's a big discussion to have about Dean's sexuality in that episode, but she was saying that one interpretation that she enjoys is that Dean, like, could be ace because, like, they go to the strip club and he puts on this whole thing about, like, you know, loving, like, the concept of, like, seeing the pretty girls or whatever, but then when he's actually met with the reality of it, he's, like, not interested. Yeah. Like, that whole, and, like, his, yeah, his very flirty persona and, like, but not actually going through with any of it. Like, that yeah. was something that, you know, she pointed out as well. He He's very performative with his sexuality. Um, yeah, exactly. And that, that could be kind of, like, a an overcompensation tactic of, mm. like, feeling that he needs to. Um, yeah, like, this is what is expected of me. And I would have loved to see that, but the only reason I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a thing, and this is a this is a very weird reason to have this this suspicion, but they were very specific in the casting calls about Carlos being bisexual. And so I feel like if there were other queer characters, that would have also been stated in their casting calls, and it very wasn't. And it was almost, it, it read a bit like, you know, you hear this this happening in books where like, where characters are like describing race and it's like you describe like every time there's like you know a black or brown person but you don't describe what the white people's skin tone looks like because there's a lot of white people that just write assuming like oh yeah well i'm not going to describe their skin tone because yeah because the white is just 
normal. And I say that with hand quotes. Yeah. I do not actually think that's a way that people should be writing, but that's an assumption that a lot of people operate with. And so it's kind of like the casting calls. It was like, you know, straight unless proven guilty. Mm -hmm. And Carlos was, you know, listed as bisexual. And so I don't know that we're going to get any other queer characters in this season, which is disappointing, but it could also be something that they're keeping under wraps. And like, maybe they threw that in there just to kind of like, I hate to say to appease fans, because that makes it sound like they did it disingenuously. And I don't think it was a pandering move. I think it was a move of being like, hey, hi, we're actually going to be inclusive with this show. Yeah, I agree. And so I think it would be nice if they included more queer characters, but I'm also not going to hold my breath because I've been chagrined before. (laughs) I think that you could argue that they included a character, particularly a bi character. I think you you could suggest that that is a way to appease an audience or to encourage a certain facet of an audience to come to the show. I think you could argue that. But I also think that this particular show is so diverse in its cast in general. They have, it's a predominantly female cast. We have cast members from all, what's the word I'm looking for? Ethnicities. Ethnicities, thank you. From like, you know, we have such a diverse sort of range of people coming together and Chaos Machine as well have been very forward about like making sure that they include LGBT supports and things in their company. So like Daniil's profile picture has been a pride flag like since June. So, you know, I think that I do think that there is a concerted effort going on to be the change in the industry. And I think that they have taken on a lot of the criticisms that Supernatural, the OG show, got. And I think that that was wise because if they had just made Supernatural 2.0, it would not have flown. Like, the only reason Supernatural could get away with it was because it started in 2005. And so there was this, like, that was just how it had, quote unquote, always been. But starting a new show, they wouldn't have gotten away with the shit that Supernatural did. Yeah, those early seasons, like when I, there is so much about those early seasons that I watch and I'm like, oh, sweet Lord, this is cringe. Like, it's, it's bad and it was and it was bad then and like oh, it's yeah. bad now because 2005 is not old really like in yeah, terms of like, media it is but like I was in school I was seven in 2005 I was 15 so but yeah it I'm like cautiously optimistic I I would love to see more of it but I'm not gonna hold my breath yeah I think that's fair honestly I guess we will just have to see I would love to see Anton come back because they've made a yes. real point of that for one episode and I like I want to know how their dinner date went like we know yeah. that it happened like how did it go yeah I have many feelings about yeah. Carlos having a, a sweetheart that's on my bingo card which we'll get to at some point but after this episode we'll do like a mid-season bingo card review <laughs> Because I don't think any of us have actually been tracking it like we were supposed to. We were going to do it every week. That's one of the few things I remember off the top of my head was that I wanted Carlos to have like a a recurring love interest. So I hope I hope that I hope that baby gets that. While we're on Carlos, I want to talk about how he is like the emotional support character in this show. Oh my god! I talked about a couple of episodes ago how like. He is the character that every other character is coming to to talk about what's going on Uh with them and talk like he keeps having these really emotional dialogues with individual characters that they're not having with anyone else. And this episode, it happened again. And I'm like, damn, this boy. But also he's the one who's shown to be super upset about the gang like breaking up. And so I just feel like it further emphasizes that he is like such an empathetic character and such a emotionally involved character like i'd love to know what the invoices look like for his therapy bills that he sends all of them like it just i'm sure it's off the charts and they could never afford him also he was gonna be a rock star which is so dean coded and i know i my poor sweet baby (laughs) the further that we get into the show the more i need to see carlos and dean interact Oh, like God, I just I, I need it so badly because I, I think that that would be so cool. And I the further we get into the show and the, the more that we deal with like this portal to another place, like I just I want weird wonky time travel to occur. And I want I want him in there. I want Dean in there so badly. 
maybe I should have brought this up before when we were talking about the box and like the possibility of like the empty and stuff or purgatory but I do think it's interesting like we know that like heaven hell and purgatory run on different time zones and it would be interesting like does the empty run on a time zone or is it just like kind of eternal so like if they could open the empty or if it is the empty that you know you can send stuff to through the box is cast there and oh. which cast because is it cast before the confession or cast after the confession oh. do you know or both do you know what I mean I, like how does it work that do you know so I think it yeah would be like interesting. Is he, is he in or out of time like I just I have so many questions it's fucking fascinating actually and that kind of ties in because the music box the song in the music box is as time goes by yeah so which is a bit which, cute yeah I do I do it, it was so nice to have that moment of him like mentioning the song it's like a double reference because it's both the song but it's also the name of the supernatural episode like it's exactly it's very and that was meta. why it kind of just was like oh <laughs> okay I have a couple of very quick things I'm just gonna speed run these if you want to jump in oh jump beautiful because they're not like necessarily like discussion-y points I just kind of want to like give them a shout out so first note I think it's very fun that the Akrita henchman dude was doing titration I just like evil science I think that's very fun indeed also I want to know why the bug things that are like still yet to be named like the Akrita gremlin things like they had like you know on the sims how they have like when they haven't had a shower in like two days or whatever and they have the stink lines coming off of them oh yeah they they have those and I kind of want to know what that's about like is that do they smell is it an essence is it an energy is it like an aura like I want to know there's been a lot of talk about monster essence, so it could be that. Mm. Um, but but you pointing that out just makes me increasingly realize how much I need glasses because I didn't even notice that. Oh. Um, <laughs> didn't even register on my radar that there were things emanating from them. It's not super obvious. Oh, I will say I did actually have one tiny quick point um, oh, related yeah. to the Akrita. I love it when like when you have a red herring in a show and literally the color red is involved with it and so to have like roxy as kind of like the red herring of being the queen and then it's just yeah. like lol just kidding and the red nails too actually yeah and like the red nails and then there's still that red glow like you know my queen or whatever i thought that was a nice touch i'm a little sad because the person who plays roxy is a vision and i am really sad that we're not going to get to see more of her um but at the same time, I thought that was kind of like, I wasn't expecting that to happen. Like, I thought she was going to be our big bad that we were building up to. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of like, a, ooh, okay, where are y'all really going with this? I actually, so I saw a post on Tumblr and I did save it. And it's by Mittens Morgill, who I don't know if you recognize, but they were one of the big meta writers for Supernatural. And it came up on my dash on Tumblr and they've written that, they have a completely crack speculation for the Winchesters that the real Akrita queen is possessing Deanna Campbell. And that's why we haven't seen her yet, even though we've been getting like dismissive mentions about her vague whereabouts. And I was like, you're calling that a crack theory? I'm like, I think that's fucking inspired. That's a fantastic theory. Yeah. And would explain why Samuel was gunning after her. Oh, wow, that's a good theory. Because I'm like, yeah, that's a good fucking point, actually. We haven't heard fucking shit about Deanna. Like, all we have heard is that Mary hasn't heard from her. And, like, it would work. And it would explain why they're still not showing us her face. Yeah. So, like... Yeah, I... That's a really good theory. I like that. 400% in support of that. I I get why they've said, oh, it's like a crack theory, because it's, like, not actually based in anything as such. It's more based in, like... No, but it kind of is, It could be fun, but I'm also like, I think there's merit to it, honestly. So I guess we'll just wait and see how it pans out. But it's definitely possible. Like, it's certainly I not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, there are stranger things have happened on that show. On, Genuinely. On related shows. Wouldn't be the first or the last time. Speaking of family members, in this episode, we hear a little bit more about, like, Carlos and his family and how they passed and the ghouls. And he mentions that he killed all of the ghouls except two. And I feel like that's probably going to come back because it seems like a weird thing to include if it's not going to be relevant later. So, yeah, 
I've been waiting for like a Carlos, like a heavy Carlos backstory episode. I mean, I know we kind of got one with the the master. What was it? Masters of War. That definitely dug into some of it. But I mean, more kind of like Carlos with relation to his family. I think we're definitely going to get a deeper exploration of that in the second half of the season. In the second half of the season, I want to know about Maggie. And I want to know what's yes. up with Latha's family. Like, they're the two things that yeah. they've teased a few times, but we've never actually got anything concrete about. Yeah, Latha's family is the big one for me. I also want to, like, make a quick note. There is a skull on the dash in the van, and I yeah. love it. I've never noticed it before, yeah. but he's my little pal. He's my little buddy. And at one point in the scene, it completely switches around. So it's looking a different way. Like someone has probably <laughs> picked it up in between takes and has like played with it and then put it back the wrong way because it goes from that's facing great. inwards to facing out the window and I like just between shots. And I was like, oh, that's fun. Like, it's just like a little like inconsistency that I just thought was funny because I noticed the skull. I was like, I'm in love with this skull. And then it was immediately facing the wrong way. <laughs> That's great. I actually, I noticed that this episode too, but my favorite part was like, I noticed it because Carlos, like they had the cop approaching the car and he was like, oh, like hide stuff under the seat. I'm like, you have a skull on your dashboard and you're not worried about that? (laughs) I was like, sweetheart, priorities. I just liked it. I was like, he's the little mascot now. I've decided. That's great. We also had a great couple of lines one from Carlos that I loved which was him saying not to endorse an institution I abhor about like marriage I just thought that was very fun (laughs) and also John saying to Henry are you saying all we had to do was plug it in which is just so funny to me (laughs) I I really did enjoy that line as well (laughs) hilarious peak comedy it was beautiful it weirdly felt like a like a too modern line. Like I know I'm aware yeah. that electricity existed in the 70s, but like as soon as he said that, like I was just picturing like a cell phone, and it was yeah. just a really funny mental image for me. No, it's so funny, and I love the idea that like this beautiful, intricate, carved wooden box of mystical magic has just like an extension cord running out of it. Like it's just yeah, it needs like a, it needs a charger. Like yeah, I want to quickly talk about how I've been thinking about this all season, but it particularly stuck out to me in this episode that they're framing the Akrita and the way that they work very similarly to the Leviathan of season seven of Supernatural and so like with this episode the concept of like if you cut off like the queen then like everyone else kind of like dies I was like oh so it's exactly like the Leviathan in season seven where you take out the head guy and then everyone else just kind of is gone same plot far less dick jokes yeah yeah (laughs) the only other things that I really just wanted to very quickly shout out is I think that the circular like porthole kind of shot when Mary is talking to Roxy and she like looks into the van and it like this camera points back out at her from inside the van Mm. I just think that's a very fun shot and I also think it's interesting because she is like looking at her reflection but we're seeing from the perspective of her reflection like I just Mm. think that's really interesting particularly given this episode like yeah yeah so she's looking at a reflection but we're because a reflection is not actually a true version of your face you're seeing the mirror image but we're seeing the true perspective of her face while she looks at the reflection like I just thought that was really interesting I don't quite know maybe what they're trying to say with that whether they're actually saying anything at all or if it's just a fun shot but I thought it was given the title of the episode yeah, it's it's definitely a nice parallel to notice with the episode title, but it's also just, I think, a testament to, they're doing some really nice cinematography with this show. Like, yeah. I have to give them kudos where kudos are due. Like, And I've missed Richard Spate Jr.'s direction. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's he's so good. Yeah, he, he is known for nothing but bangers whenever yeah. he directs, and I was really glad to have him back. But yeah, this the cinematography of this series as a whole like reminds me of like some of the best cinematography that we got to see on Supernatural, and that's been a really nice touch, I think. In that scene as well, I just love the braid in Carlos's hair, like the little like, <laughs> like yeah. it's so cute, and it's just such a nice little touch that they included, and I'm like, it's so nice. And do you think Latha put it there? Oh, I love that. I love that. But look, KJ wasn't here to mention it, so I was like, I have to. The only other thing that I really want to touch on oh, was first that Mary just let them smack the box out of her hand. I was like, come on. <laughs> come on, babe. Like, yeah. just hold it just a little bit tighter, you know? Just a smidge. 
that but also ada tells millie that the way she copes with the kids is by letting them pretend to be in charge that was a fantastic line this is the thing though because i'm like we have had so many discussions about how ada feels weird because she doesn't feel like an adult because she just listens to like she is just going with whatever mary or whoever wants to do even if they're making an objectively bad call and she doesn't stand up to them or try and like do anything yeah to know that she's like drinking and just being like eh, i just let them think they're running the show like i mean not a bad idea not a bad approach i feel like it feels disconnected like i feel like it's like a weird yeah. it, it makes it feel like she's like well i'm actually running the show and i'm like no you're not you haven't done that yeah once. you're very not <laughs> you've never been in control of this situation literally ever yeah, she's, I as much as I like Ada, she's very much a babysitter. Yeah, to an extent, but also she's a babysitter that just lets the kids eat candy and run around at midnight. Like, she... <laughs> <laughs> she's not a great babysitter. She's not a great one. She doesn't have great Yelp reviews, you know? Like, <laughs> the kids adore her. The parents, however, are like, what am I paying you for? That's, a, that's great. <laughs> that is everything that I wanted to cover. Did you have any other thoughts that you wanted to get out? Or even, not even just about this episode, but anything that you've wanted to say that you haven't been able to because you haven't been here? I just am really happy with this show. Like, I was so nervous going into it that we were going to be sitting here getting all excited about something that was going to suck. And it's just so nice to be <laughs> seven episodes deep and have that unequivocally not be true. Like, it is it is a good show. It stands on its own two legs. And I think as as much as I, you know, love the original Supernatural, obviously, like, yeah. I think it does a pretty good job of being able to be its own show. Like, I mm. think there are people that can watch this show and understand it without knowing anything about Supernatural. Like, and that's, I think, a nice touch. You can just think that Dean is like, you know, this random voiceover narrator guy. And actually, this is a really goofy final note. It has like almost nothing to do with Supernatural or the Winchesters, but it's it's a parallel that I noticed and I love it. I don't know if you've ever watched The Clone Wars, the TV show, the animated one. I have not. On that show, there is always like a quote at the beginning of the episode like it's a black screen and there's like a quote in yellow and it'll say mm. like you know hope is you know the light that flickers the brightest or something yeah and then the episode starts and by the time you get to the end of the episode you realize like oh that quote was telling me exactly what the episode is going to be about yeah. every time dean gives his little monologue i try to like internalize it because i'm like oh you're telling me exactly what the episode is going to be about and it just it had same energy and that is my random totally unrelated contribution it's so funny i love that that's like how it feels for you because for me it kind of feels like bridgerton like you know <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the promo though for next episode no okay i didn't okay. know there was one so the next episode is gonna be episode eight and it is called hang on to your life wait a minute interesting i have many thoughts one of which the line of it gets toasty who says that i want to say maybe samuel like I'm going to be honest on a first listen and maybe my, maybe I need to get like my ears cleaned or something immediately sounded like Richard Spate. Oh, I swear to God, if we get Gabriel in the second half of the season, I'm going to fling myself into the I sun. think we already know that we are. Do we? We know that he's directing. I think we had it confirmed that he was going to reprise his role. Okay. I don't remember if that was a thing. Let me Google very quickly. Richard Spate Jr. to bring supernatural tricks to Loki to the Winchesters. It came out on the 25th of October. And actually, I feel like maybe we even knew it was this episode. Wait, wasn't episode eight the one that Robbie was talking about? That's where the shit hits the fan. Yeah, so the second half of this season. I also just want to very quickly touch on the fact that Mary was like, I want to be with you. Like very, like that. Yeah. That's very forward. They just, yeah. just admitted they were into each other in this episode and they didn't even talk about yeah. it they just kissed but i don't know i feel like she's been bottling a lot of those feelings and now it's like oh no now that she knows for sure bro kissed her when he thought they were gonna die like now that she knows he's definitely this is a thing i feel like she may be like ready to go all in and because she found her dad oh yeah we didn't even talk about samuel in this episode we didn't bring him up at all but I do think that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see Samuel interact with John because like all we knew from OG Supernatural was that Samuel didn't really like John. Yeah, that's going to be so interesting to see. But also, you know, OG Supernatural, he was like, oh yeah, the civilian. So yeah, but also 
OG Supernatural John didn't know about the Supernatural. We yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I, I mean, there's only so much of the mothership we can reference at this point until we know yeah, what exactly it is these crazies are doing. On. I'm very excited after seeing that. that yeah, me video. too. I'm that really excited. Really and I've been excited about episode eight because of that interview where Robbie was like, yeah, it's going to go balls to the wall crazy when we get to episode eight. I think I think that's a wrap for this week. I'm I'm stoked for the second half of the season. I think it's going to be so good. They haven't let us down yet, so bring it on. Oh my god, also, it's coming out on Dean's birthday, January 24th. Oh, it was the first yes. thing I noticed. Which, again, I am unwell. We are obviously going to be on hiatus for a little while because the show is going to be on hiatus for a little while, but we are planning on doing a mid-season intermission episode somewhere in between now and episode 8 coming out, probably once the holidays are kind of over and everyone has a little bit more time. And we're going <laughs> to go back to our bingo cards and see where we're at and see if any of our thoughts have changed moving forward. And otherwise, we'll be back after episode eight. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you wanted to get in touch with us, there are links in the description, not only for all of our Wayward Parents stuff, but also for all of our OG Supernatural pods. So if you wanted to give those a listen while we're on hiatus, this is your opportunity to catch up. And yes, feel free to get in touch with any of your thoughts. Thanks for listening and happy holidays, everyone. Bye. (laughs) Au revoir.